views and reaction to the A-League, the Socceroos and Australian football. This is 442FM. Thank you, Jacko, and welcome to 442FM for another week of chatting about the Socceroos and the A-League. My name is Aidan Ormond. I'm the editor of 442 Australia magazine. And joining me in the... Uh, well, I don't know, where are we now, Kev? We're in... Uh, back issues cupboard. <laughs> we're, we're basically uh, in the back of uh, 442's offices where a whole lot of magazines are sitting. Uh, sounds a little bit better, I think. Uh, Kevin Ayres, welcome to the show. Dude, how you doing? Yeah, very well. What another week it's been in football in this country. We'll get to the Ange Socceroos squad very shortly. But first, uh, well, just a quick review of last weekend's games because there's some absolute crackers, of course. Um, starting on Friday night at Wonderland with uh, the Wanderers defeating Adelaide 2-1 uh, with Tommy Gunn. And I thought of that headline immediately, and sure enough, both <laughs> Sydney newspapers, the Telly and the Herald, ran with Tommy Gunn headlines. What a game and what a crowd. Yeah. Uh, and Adelaide, let's just tip our hat to Adelaide as well, Kevin. Weren't they superb? Absolutely. Uh, and I'll come back to that later on, just the, the differing attitudes and so forth. But uh, a... I just love the fact that that's the sixth sellout Wanderers game in a row. Uh, unfortunately, it's all going to come to an end probably this weekend when they uh, take on Hart. Uh, but it's just so reassuring to to see that consistency of uh, level of uh, fan interest in the Wanderers. But fantastic match. Tommy Urich living up to uh, everything that we'd hoped he would do. Yeah, actually, and um, we have a little bit of a chat with Tommy. I don't know whether you have it lined up, but uh, we caught up with Tommy recently and just asked him a few questions about being basically the new Dino Cresinger of the Wanderers side. I don't know whether you got that ready, Kev. Yep, here um, we go. Here we go. So we had a quick chat to Tommy. In regards to being uh, taking Dino's position, I'm not too sure um, You know how Dino was playing last year and mm. what Popo actually required of him and asked of him. Sure. But... Um, I know that uh, you know Papa wants me to do a certain certain uh, thing and a certain job, and uh, it's a role that I have to take on board. And uh, you know, for the benefit of me and for the team, and I'm sure that you know if I if I do a good job in what he wants me to do, that uh, you know I can you know cement a spot in the side, which is what I want to do, and um, you know hopefully get a few bang in a, a few goals, which would be you know where I'll set my target, you know, and um, just, you know... What's your target? How many goals? Um, What can you say? If I say, then I'll be a bit of pressure on me, but I'll just keep that to myself. And, um, you know, you guys will catch on to it, hopefully, during the season. And at the end of the season, I'll say how much it was. and um, We'll work it out. And then we'll work out how close I was. Uh, yeah, look, we chatted to Tommy, and of course, he's got a, a goal set in mind, and he's well on the way. He's obviously uh, already su- surpassed Dino Cressinger. Kev, just quickly on the game, um, the thing that really caught my eye were two things. Firstly, how the crowd can influence a team. I really thought after that first uh, goal for Wanderers to make it 1-1 that there was really only going to be one team that was going to win there. There were literally, you could feel it from the television set, the willing of the crowd to, to, to get behind them and it was just outstanding and Adelaide though 
just their game plan is just getting so much more fluid. There's, they're so much more confident in playing out from the back. Um, what caught your eye on Friday night? No, I mean, uh, what I found interesting was actually the post-game comments, to be honest. Uh, there was obviously a few dubious, uh, questionable refereeing decisions, but uh, Joseph Gumba did not jump on those as an excuse for uh, the result, which I found really reassuring. And, uh, you know, it's so... F- it- enlightening uh, to have that attitude that, you know, you've got 90 minutes to win a game. Uh, Two refs decisions, three refs decisions shouldn't decide that for you. If you make the opportunities, if you make the chances, you should be able to win the game. And that's essentially what he's saying. And that's the attitude we've got to go. Uh, And I think it contrasted quite heavily with uh, someone else's else's attitude later after their game. Um, But yeah, I think Adelaide definitely going in the right direction. (laughs) Some people are already calling for his head outside of Adelaide, outside of Adelaide's fans that, uh, you know, they're questioning a gumbo. But I think if anybody can't see the progress that Adelaide are making under them, under gumbo, they're they're not looking very closely. I think Uh, whoever's calling for his head is an idiot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I, look, I, I totally take what you're saying about blaming referees. I think it's such an easy thing to blame referees. And, and let's just wait till the end of the season to see how many games he's, he's criticised a referee on because um, it is the A-League and we have got referees that perhaps aren't at the standard that we want them to be as I yet. am not for any moment in any way suggesting our, cri- our referees are above criticism. Uh, and I think anybody that uh, watched one of the games at least would uh, have to agree with that. However, moving swiftly on. And that's a perfect segue into Saturday's games. Yeah. Perth Glory 1-0 over Sydney FC on a very hot afternoon in Perth, kicking off at 2.30, which uh, I hope that we won't see too many more of. Um, I think uh, played at that time for Fox Sports benefit more than anybody mm, else's. Yeah. Um, but Not that so, there's anything wrong with that. Fox Sports are great for the game. We love Fox Sports. Yes, But having said that, uh, that was a very early kickoff in uh, late spring heat. Yes, um, Perth. Uh, look, firstly on Sydney, Nicky Carl, outstanding. If ever there was a player who bled for that team, it's Nicky Carl. How much work did he do for the team? How hard did he work? But also how well he played. And Sydney overall, I thought were very good. Um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say very good. I'd say they were better than they have been. But I don't no, th- I think they I- were very good. Really? Yeah. 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 I think they went down early to a very questionable decision. Well, it wasn't off. It was off well, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I always give the benefit. I personally it was give, the, give the benefit of the doubt. But if you looked at where everybody was positioned, the referee was actually blocked from seeing because hey, the linesman uh, was blocked from seeing that it was offside by the Sydney player. It was double offside. There's no question of that. But I can understand why that one was given because he was blocked from seeing it properly. Mm. Perhaps his positioning should have been better. That's but. Under the circumstances, he can only give on what he sees, and I'd rather he does that than guess uh, what he thinks might have happened. Mm. Uh, but having said that, you know they they, they lost the they got uh, the penalty against them, but Janjetovic only got a yellow card, so it, it could have been worse. They could mm. have got the red card that you know technically he should have had. Uh, if you're going to give a yellow, you have to give a red under those circumstances. Um, so win one, lose one, as far as I'm concerned. But I, I thought Sydney, they went down 1-0 and was like, here we go again. But I thought they were outstanding from that point on. Um, and really, uh, you know, Perth didn't really show a lot. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of this 
you know, we were talking last season, Kev, about how they were going to be playing this year, and I just don't see a lot of that um, possession-based football that we see from Adelaide, for example. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's still early days, aren't oh, it? Oh, no, but I, I agree. I think Perth were very disappointing, to be honest. You know, um, while I, don't, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about Sydney, I did think they were playing better than we had seen them up to. Now. Um, but I thought Perth... Uh, showed disappointing lack of ambition after they got the goal. They're just happy to sit back and uh, wait for uh, the opportunities and take uh, Sydney on. Uh, as it turned out, they were they got away with it. But if they had, if Sydney had scored an equaliser, I'm not sure Perth had anything in the in mm. the in the cupboard to uh, try and claw back a winner again. Mm. Uh, Very strange because um, you know they should be used to those conditions. They train in them as as we know every day. Um, it's but a long. I, I was going to say it's a long season, but it's not a long season. No. Uh, but we're early in the season. Maybe they're just keeping an eye to the future and just trying to pace themselves. Uh, and Smelsey, of course, came back uh, for his first game in a long time, which is great to see. Um, and Gallus, of course, is pretty much ready to go as of the next uh, game or so. So uh, after this game next next weekend, so there's two strong additions to Perth side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've not seen the best of uh, Perth by any manner of means yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how the uh, the front line of Perth uh, shapes up. With those two in the in the, the lineup now, because McLaren I think's been playing well, mm. uh, maybe not quite as well as he can do yet, um, but uh, he's certainly, uh, in my uh, estimation, earned his first team plays. But you know he's he's going to be uh, forced to fight for that now. I think. Yeah, it's just fantastic to see Smalsy back. Um, yeah, is definitely one of the league legends. He is. Yeah, he's like Archie Thompson. He's just he's just definitely. one of the greats. Um, one 0 to Perth, uh, continuing Sydney's losing streak. Uh, we'll talk about Sydney in a second, of course, with uh, the preview of this weekend's Big Blue and the final game on Saturday was the F three slash M one, whatever you want to call it, derby. And um, what a classic it was! That was a Brilliant match. Yeah. Uh, really champ-packed with entertainment. Offered everything. Far, far better game than I was expecting it to be. And it just goes to show that, uh, you know, when it comes to derbies, teams really fire up for them. You see Hart with victory. You see it with Jets, with Central Coast Mariners. You see it with... Oh, wait, no, Sydney doesn't... Uh, no, take, OK, I'll take that back. They don't do it. Um, but, uh, yeah... Jets really did fire yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it screwed up my multi because I had. It was the one game that I really thought Mariners were going to win, and uh, it was going to be my five favourites winning, and mm. it would have been over the weekend. It cost me uh, 170 bucks. That thanks, Jets. Won't forget that one, but thank, thank you Arnie for, the for that as well. I, I should also say um, uh, what, what struck me about the Mariners is that they have a, a clearly defined plan B which is the way that they tactically change when they're chasing a game. The players understand that plan B. The coaching staff clearly understand what they need to do. I think in other teams in the A-League, when they go down, it's not so clear. Melbourne Hearts a good example. When they go behind, it's not clear what plan B is. The Mariners, they have this set plan B, yeah. and it worked beautifully. Yeah. I mean, you know, it bears repeating every week. You've got to admire Arnie's flexibility and insight and... Uh, uh, adaptability. Uh, he he's just a top-notch uh, coach, and he he, he does he, he bends with the wind. I remember uh, Gary Van Egmond actually egging a betting Arnie on the sidelines one or two seasons ago, uh, where he made a tactical switch in the game, and uh, Van Egmond got up and shouted at him, "I thought you never changed, Arnie. I thought you never made any changes." 
that Arnie is long gone. Uh, he does. He 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 adapts to the situation, and more importantly than anything else, it's never say die. Um, mm. You know they. Uh, That's why they're the champions. Yeah, I mean they exactly. are. They are champions mentality. Yeah, and they've got the players, and they've got the tactician. Yeah. to potentially make another grand final. If if you look at this game, yeah, um, just so impressed by them. A good uh, turnout of fans as well. Yeah, um, greatest ever F three derby. I'm not sure, but it certainly felt like way. Oh, I was. It was up there. Up there. Great game. Great entertainment. And uh, that kind of rounded out Saturday. Let's go straight into Sunday, uh, Kev. Brisbane Raw, Melbourne Heart. And we're just talking about Plan Bs. Um, Melbourne Heart dominated the first half. Um, and really, at the end of the day, they should have been two or three up at half time. They weren't. It was nil-nil, and they were made to pay. No Plan B clearly in place there, as far as I can see. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those odd things, though, because did you need a Plan B for that one? Because Plan A was working in the sense of they were getting lots of shots, most of them on target. They were just constantly being denied. Um, with uh, by the the keeper or by fate and fortune and mm. uh, the woodwork and how close was Mishsud on a number of occasions? Oh, and Williams as yeah. well was uh, long shots. And I think Ra- Ramsey hit the post as well, didn't he? Oh, was it Ramsey? Actually, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't short of shooting opportunities. They were getting them on target. They just weren't going in for them. It's unfortunate uh, in that sense, and I, I, I don't think the uh, the scoreline did them justice, to be honest. Uh, 3-0 wasn't a reflection of the effort that Hart put into it. But by the same token, how much longer can Hart carry on this way? Well, look, they've got they've got a very top-heavy coaching staff. They've got John, they've got Foxy, they've got Gerardo Nuss, they've got a technical director above them called John Van Skip, plus goalkeeping coaches. So they're very top-heavy with coaches. So if they get rid of one coach, does that mean everyone goes? I mean, I don't know how that would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think it's it's this sort of club that won't have a knee jerk reaction to a few losses, but yeah, but I mean, <sighs> rightly or wrongly, Kev. I know, well, this is it. I mean, they seem content with the way they're rolling. That's that's the thing that worries me. I don't about think they'll heart. be content about the results. I think there'll be a lot of concern, but, but I don't think well, they'll make that jump into the, the sacking of a coach. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to lead to the sacking of a coach. Well. I don't, I'm not necessarily calling for the second of a coach, but you look at Aloisi's comments after the game. He was content. He he, you know, he was very upbeat about the performance put in. And you know, you've you've you can't turn around and berate players when you've had so many opportunities on goal. But by the same token, he was very very relaxed about the performance, uh, despite the scoreline. And I think, it, you know, it, there does seem to be a thing with Hart where they're not necessarily aiming for the top. Uh, and in such a tight league that's salary capped, where they're spending just as much money pretty much as uh, Melbourne Victory are, the ambition is not the same. And you I guess you could contrast that with, with Mike Mulvey, who I think quoted as saying it was clueless first half. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was the very, yeah. very contrasting styles. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, they maybe it's time for a rocket publicly. Well, I don't know because they I, played well in the first half. I thought they did really well, and when Golgol came on, he's a terrific player. Uh, what interested me afterwards was um, Arthur Pappas uh, sent out a tweet. No words whatsoever, nothing else apart from protectedspecies.com. And yeah, I'm 
pretty sure that, you know, that was aimed at, uh, well, when is somebody going to speak out about Aloisi? When is the board at heart going to turn around and start looking for more than that? He was but, in the jungle at the time, so perhaps there's another... It, it could be it completely, completely different. unrelated. could be completely unrelated. A former but, youth you know, team I, coach as well. I, I would like, whether, it, uh, uh, whether it's by putting pressure on Aloisi or anything else, I just want to see more ambition, more visible demands of success for, off heart, by its board, by its management, by its players. There seems to be uh, an apathy and indifference and a happiness just to, to roll middle of the road, middle of the table. Meanwhile, Brisbane, very, very good. Very, very good indeed. And mm. uh, so excited by them this season. I can't see them not being in the top three. Mm. Uh, if they're not challenging for uh, a title by the end of the season, I'd and, be very surprised. And there was no Barisha as well, let's not forget. Still, Imagine that. Still not 100% yeah. full, full team. Yeah. Speaking of Barisha, I'm just going to cut in there. Next week, the new 442 is out with Ange Postacoglu on the cover. Great shot um, on the cover. Great shot on the cover. In <laughs> Ange, we trust. Um, Kev, you did the photo the photographs of Ange. We met up with Ange last weekend, of course. Next week, we have the Ange cover out on the on the, on the the shelves with Ange Postacoglu, plus Bessar Barisha and the best of the A-League uh, Latin American maestros and a whole lot more. So uh, watch out for that next week. The final game of the on round. On Monday, the, the, the game that uh, 442 FM podcast forgot. I don't think we forgot. I think perhaps... Uh, we, we overlooked it we because overlooked it was on it. a separate page because it was on the Monday. It was on a Monday. And how often do we have Mondays? But look, what a game. <laughs> and again, we talk about Adelaide losing in, uh, in, uh, at Wonderland. Hats off to, to Phoenix. I thought they were outstanding um, after the first 35 minutes. Yeah. Before that, they weren't. Yeah. They were just rolled. Yeah. But a lot to like about this Phoenix side. I think, you know, there was um, a master and apprentice uh, question about this game beforehand. And I think Phoenix, uh, Merrick's change after half an hour, when he saw the where the land was lying and how to, to fix it, he made changes, he, he switched the tactics... And that was masterful. Mm. Uh, and mm. at that stage, you know, Kevin Musket was still very much the apprentice. He walked away with three points, and it's a great start for him, and he was obviously really pumped to, to take that victory. Mm. But, uh, you know, Ernie Merrick, he's a, he's a wisey, mm. wise old crow. He and Muskie against guys like Arnie and Popper and, and, and um, I was going to say Ange, but, uh, you know, other coaches, that's going to be a real test for him. But just going back to this game, Phoenix playing a high line in the first half now and, and a defensive mistake and Troisi was on fire. You thought this could have been five or six. It was quite a suicidal high line as well. You know, uh, um, Tim Palmer did a, a breakdown for us afterwards, immediately after the game. The genius, as we're in a study to call it. The young genius. The young genius. The prodigy. <laughs> Tim, if you're listening, g'day, mate. Love your work, mate. Love your work. Um, but he made the point, you know, that Hart showed the way to uh, to deal with victory and null, nullify their threat is to close them down a lot earlier than that and not play a high line. Uh, and it's it's set the template mm. for what everyone else should be following. Uh, but uh, Ernie, you know, was ambitious, uh, but overly ambitious, I think, in the first half. But he, he spotted that and changed it. Uh, and that's and what, that's what they paid for as well. And exactly. I think that's the second time that we've seen Ernie really change games. I think we saw that at Wonderland as well. And congratulations to Ernie. He copped a lot when he was uh, appointed for being perhaps a little bit old school and not moving with the times. He's moved with the times, the Ernster. And uh, good on you. Yep. Great game. Really enjoyed watching it. 23,000 that uh, Eddie had. Uh, and, you know, on another day, uh, Phoenix could have snatched uh, perhaps a point. Yep. Great start for uh, Muskie, though, and uh, good luck to him for the rest of the season. 
We'll be back in the second part of 442FM to review all the stories on 442's website, au.442.com. See you in a tick. Welcome back to 442 FM. Uh, I've got Kevin Ayers with me. My name is Aidan Orman, the editor of 442. And really, there's only one story, isn't there, Kev? Um, today, Ange Postacoglu announced his first soccer squad. I might just go through the squad just uh, for those who haven't uh, already got it. Um, top to bottom, it's Bazanich, Bresciano, Kale, Davidson, Franich, Holland, Jednak, Kedney, Kenne- <coughs> sorry, Kennedy, Cruz, Langerak, Lecky, McGowan, McCann. Kai, Milligan, Neil, Orr, Rogic, Ryan, Vidasic, Williams, Wilkinson and Zullo. Kev, did he go far enough? You can't spell change without Ange. I'm just putting that out there. Doesn't mean anything whatsoever. Is that um, like the protected species tweet from Arthur? Very sort of <laughs> cryptic. Can you no, no. tweet that after the show? I might well do. I might, I've been saving it for days. Um, In change we trust. There is change. Uh, there is change. I mean, we've lost uh, Schwarzer retired, a uh, great servant of Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And good of him to throw himself under the bus and let uh, you know the young guard come through. Uh, and take his place. Um, I'm genuinely, genuinely sorry to see him go. Yes, uh, I agree. I actually got almost emotional about it because, you know, he has been such a fabulous, fabulous player for Saved us so many times. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll miss him a lot in many different ways. Uh, I hope he still goes to Brazil in some way with the Socceroos as some sort of I'd like to see coach. him, you know, brought in as a coaching staff or something, some way that, you know, takes him out there without taking up one of the playing squad numbers. Um, other than that, uh, we've lost Carney, we've lost Wilkshire, we've lost Thompson, we've lost uh, Ognanovsky. Holman as well. And we've lost Holman. Mm. So, you know, although the changes are subtle, he's doing it right, he's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. He's giving Lucas Neal the chance to prove himself uh, and also the chance to have a farewell if it doesn't work out. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't have too many arguments with that squad. I think it's a, it's a good starting place um, and we'll see how it develops in uh, the time in the days to come. Robbie Cruz, not in. Uh, any concerns there? Or was it more of a case of just knowing what Robbie... Sorry, not Robbie Cruz, sorry, James Troisi... Not in the squad, but is it more a case of him having more time at victory and then perhaps coming in later? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, it's Troisi's uh, Sean for his first four rounds of victory, but prior to that was having a bit of a hard old time with it overseas. Mm. I th- don't think it's going to rule him out in the future at all, and it can only help him mm. to uh, skip this one and then uh, have another look at him in February, March. Mm. Wilkinson. Um, this is he was one of the players that that I, I was thinking about as a central defender at some point, um, and he's only twenty eight, twenty nine. I think 20? is he twenty eight, twenty eight. He's certainly not o- over yeah. the hill. No, no, um, not at and all. it kind of looks. Um, I think we were having this debate last week about Beecham. It kind of looks like he's going for the sort of perhaps Wilkinson, maybe even uh, Will, uh, Reese Williams in the centre. Yeah, I, I like the idea of bringing uh, Wilkinson in. Yeah. I think he should have had a call up a long time ago. Mm. Uh, Top player for Mariners, been having a great run overseas as mm. well. Can't see, I've got no argument with that. And 28, 29, mm. that's a good age group. Mm. That's fine. 30, 
Yep, that's okay too. 31, 32, 33, we shouldn't be starting new people at that age, mm. in my opinion. But, okay. Uh, no, no problems with him whatsoever. And your other top tip from last week, well, I'm not sure if that was on the podcast or just when we were talking about it personally, uh, Franich uh, yeah. brought into the side. That's great. Yeah, I'm very excited about Franich. Uh, Kev, can you pick a starting 11 from the squad that you're looking at now? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just throw mine in there, just see what you think. So I think Langerak will start, even though Ryan is playing regularly. I think Langerak has probably got it at the moment. Left back would probably be... I think might be Davidson, but it could be Zulo. And then central would be Wilco with uh, Williams. Franich on the right side of the, the back four. But You'd have him a defence. Yeah, well, I'll have him as a second defender. His success, you know, with uh, Roar this season has been much further up the field. He's a terrific defender. I think you, you've noticed I, I that agree. as well. I agree completely. I think, you know, he is a terrific defender, mm. but... He's been having so much great success up front. Great. I mean, that, that's good. We can always push him forward as much as we can. I would then, we, I say we, they can. Um, I'd have uh, Mackay and Milligan sitting in front of the back four. Um, and in front of them would be a combination of Rogic, Bresciano, and, uh, well, I had, um, initially I had uh, Tracy there, but that might be Cruz. And potentially you could play Josh Kennedy up front at some point. Um, looking at that, you could maybe even have Vidisic on one side and then Cruz as the, as the central striker with the three behind in a Vidisic, Rogic, Bresciano mould. If you want to play two behind, which is, say, Mackay and Milligan. What team would you pay? <laughs> Putting me on the spot, I would have I would put Ryan and go because uh, he's he's match sharp. Uh, been having a great run in uh, Brugge, and uh, I, I. Having said that, though, I think we you know you can't go wrong with either of them. To be honest, yeah, Lion, true. Lionrek or Ryan. Can I also just say how many five ex Mariners players in the squad? Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's very true. So uh, Ryan's in your goalkeeper. Uh, so Ryan is your goalkeeper as. A friendly, I would go experimental. I thought you were going to say, as a friend. <laughs> as a friendly, I would go more experimental, perhaps. I would definitely have uh, Davidson left back, give him another chance. Uh, don't want him tainted by the that ongoing catastrophe in Scotland. Um, Which would, you were at, by I the was, yes. yeah. Uh, and it was a pretty shitty night all round, to be honest. Uh, Central? Wilco. And... Uh, <laughs> There is a tendency, there is a current train of thought that wants to put Jedi in central defence, but I'm still... Well, I only suggested it last week. No, but I mean, I've seen other people suggest it as well, and I still am uncomfortable with that. I'd rather uh, rather we didn't, to be honest. Um, so I would... Uh, a, I'd probably have Tommy... A, so Wilco with possibly Reese Williams in the centre? Yes, Reese Williams. I'm not trying to tell you. No, no. Uh, and I would have McGowan at right back. Mm -hmm. uh, in central, I would have, I'd stick with your Mackay and Milligan. Uh, I'd have Rogic uh, attacking mid. I would have Franich uh, attacking right. I would have Cruz attacking left. And who would I have up front? You could have Cahill, or you could have Kennedy. Uh, you could even put um, Leckie in there at a push, but really he should be a little bit deeper. deeper. Yeah. Um, or you could put um, Vidisage up there as well, but again, he plays deeper. Mm. So, yeah, Kennedy, okay. Who I mean, I tend to think that in that scenario, Cruz is probably the, the one that you would pick in that uh, at the tip of the... 
the, the forward structure. He's more of an out-and-out striker, but you could play him a little bit deeper as well. I think Kale is not I, a striker I like him, for I'm, me. Yeah, He's, uh, he yeah, will come I on as I prefer him coming in from deep, just gusting in from behind the, the central yeah. striker. But uh, if you, you're going to do the four-two-one-three uh, thing, um, it's you got Rogic in the middle there, mm. uh, where Cahill should be. Uh, mm. You can either I would have Josh Kennedy up front, uh, and let's see how he copes. Mm. Fascinating game, Costa Rica. So many Rica. permutations, and yeah. yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be quite an evenly match game. I think you know we're far lower down the ranks than we deserve to be, mm. but not. Much, I think you know, Costa Rica is probably about our level mm. uh, as they are now. And Carlos Hernandez potentially could play. And um, I suppose Kenny Cunningham yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I should also say that I'll actually pick Orr in my side in the starting 11. So it would be Orr, Rogic, Bresciano, Cruz up front, Mackay Milligan in the back four as we had. Really interesting. Um, what's been uh, the overall reaction? Just anything that Ange has said that caught your eye today? Um, Kev? I didn't hear his... Um, I was busy putting the story up, so I didn't see his uh, mm. press conference. Um, but, you know, I think the the general attitude of not, you know, uh, easy as we go, mm. uh, safe sailing for the moment, all in favour of that. What about you? What I like about Ange is that he, he's not he's not making uh, assumptions about players. He said, he said in the press conference today that um, you can easily just decide before bringing players in or out uh, about them. And I think uh, what's really important is that he'll bring players in, he'll set the environment, and he'll see which players suit the environment. And that's basically what he's told us in, in the interview in the magazine, that, you know, why... Why get rid of players if he sees something in them? And he loves players who want to prove themselves as well. And one or two of the older players really want to prove themselves because there's been a lot of negative media. So I think he'll have a good look at those players in the environment that he sets and see who suits what he's got. I think the squad that he's picked today is roughly what we're going to see at the World Cup, more or less. You think? Yeah, more or less. I mean, he hasn't got time to experiment, Kev. We've got roughly how many games? Five games? Five games in seven months. We don't have a lot of time. I think there actually should be more games. Yeah, I agree. I think we should try and squeeze in as many as we Even can. Even if but we are we are hamstrung by the international schedule yes. and also the A-League fixtures as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, even if we can get some more training camps in whenever possible, it mm. uh, would be good. But I, I think Lucas Neal particularly has got an uphill struggle to, to prove his place and get on the plane to Brazil. Look, Wilco, all Wilco uh, needs to do is play really well and he can cement, and, cement his place in this team by yeah, playing well. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I think... Lucas has been a fantastic servant for the country and I'm in no way denigrating that whatsoever I agree but by the same token I think his time is, is coming to an end mm. and uh, if he gets replaced in the next game or two I, I would be very thankful for the, the services put in but I think it's uh, time to start a new chapter Well let's see how the, this new defence goes if indeed it is a new defence if it's uh, two new central defenders or whether it's Lucas with another player we'll see and of course the captaincy as well hasn't been announced so that's another um, another sort of chapter in this new new era I would find it very hard to believe that they would take the captaincy off Lucas this, for this game mm. Um, so long as he's in the team, he's got to be captain. Well, he is the current captain, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't see that changing. For, uh, I personally continue. think that Milligan is the future captain. I think he's I, the right I, person. I think we've got a couple of... Ch- we've got options there, definitely. Um, but uh, as long as Lucas is playing, he's got to be captain. Mm. He, and he is... He's still a very, very, very good captain. 
uh, for all his aging body may not be as quick as it used to be, uh, you know, in terms of leadership. And let's not forget that that game in Japan in the World Cup qualifiers, the three World Cup Cup qualifiers we had, in Japan he was outstanding as a leader of men. In a night when we had, it was real backs to the wall stuff. He was unbelievably good. And so was Schwartzy. His comments about uh, the youth coming through uh, a couple of months ago uh, were perhaps not the best, uh, well, a month ago wasn't perhaps the best thought out uh, words that he's used. But apart from that, I think he's shown some tremendous leadership uh, for the Rose and should be respected for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Kevin, that's the squad. Any other news this week that uh, we need to go through? Well, I think, you know, uh, it kind of leads into this game, this weekend's games, but uh, I think it's fair to say pressure is mounting hugely on Frank Farina. Uh, it's uh, interesting, Terry McFlynn came out yesterday uh, and insisted, uh, one, it's not all Frank Farina's fault uh, of the, the mess they found themselves in. Um, and just while he was talking, he made... Uh, he brought out that old chestnut that Sydney is the biggest club in Australia. And when I saw him say that, it suddenly struck me, God, people, some people still actually think mm. that. And it's been such a long time since that was Isn't actually victory true. victory the biggest club? As somebody said in, on Twitter almost immediately afterwards, Sydney FC aren't even the biggest club in Sydney. Mm. Uh, yeah. you, you know, it, it, that's how far they slipped. And it's in the space of about three years. Uh, that's just not true anymore. And it's there's so many reasons for it. So he's right. Yeah, that's not all Farina's fault, but it was a glaring example of the, how far Sydney have slipped. Farina himself came out uh, yesterday on his blog and uh, attacked the the Twitter trolls. Does uh, he write that blog himself? Well, I noticed that his last entry uh, before this one uh, had a big long plug for somebody else's website. Uh, at the bottom of it, uh, somebody who used to be the PR for uh, the FFA, mm. who used to be his football manager when he was at the Socceroos. I'm sure it was purely coincidental. Um, however, uh, Frank, uh, this is, we've gone through the script pretty much with uh, Sydney FC. We've uh, Frank blamed the players after the last game. He's blamed the referee. He's now blamed the fans, uh, question whether or not uh, they're real fans, and uh, we've got the Sydney Victory match this weekend. I think we know how this ends. We've seen this movie before, as somebody pointed out to me on Twitter. He's got it all to do this weekend, uh, and frankly, you know, alienating the fans. Fans, of course they are real football fans. If they're unhappy and they're attacking you, it's because they care. It's because they care about the club. It's because they, 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 they follow the badge on the shirt. They don't follow players. They don't. Well, they may follow players. They may follow managers, but they follow the badge. And if they don't feel that you're playing or coaching to the level of that badge or their expectations of it, they will attack you. And if you are playing to that level, they will back you to the hilt. They will defend you against anyone. If they attack you, they attack you for a reason. And it's because it's not good enough, and they feel disappointed and let down. I think I think the main disappointment that I see about the current situation with Sydney FC is they've had long enough to fix this. Um, basically, they've had all off season to, you know, initiate a structure, and it, it, I, I don't know where. Look, they did okay in Perth, and they did okay against Newcastle, but they did poorly in Brisbane. Um, and uh, they've got a massive game this weekend. We can talk about this massive game in the next section yep. of the podcast, but uh, also I just don't believe that coaches should be on Twitter. I mean, I just don't 
I don't, I don't see what. No, I imagine I, Popper being on Twitter. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you just, you're just setting yourself up. Popper would never go on Twitter. <laughs> Popper would not do anything in public if he could possibly help it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. In Popper, we trust. In Popper, you trust. Um, I trust. <laughs> uh, but you mean you don't trust Popper? Come on, Kev. I, I do trust. I do trust him, but I don't put my trust in him. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, no, uh, you know, theoretically, I think it's good that managers can go on Twitter, but you have to be prepared to take the highs and the lows that come with it. Uh, I think they're better off spending their time coaching the team and figuring out ways to win. I think I being on Twitter wastes time. Anyway, look, we can talk about that in the next section of the podcast where we will preview this weekend's rounds of games. Welcome back to 4 for 2 FM. We are now going to preview this weekend's games. I'm with Kevin Ayres. My name's Ado. Um, and we're going to have a look at this weekend's round, starting on Friday night in Melbourne, with the Red and Whites of Melbourne Heart hosting Western Sydney Wanderers. Now, um, I'm not sure how many Wanderers fans are going to down, be going down there. I think there's going to be another trip. I've been told by a key member of the RBB that this is not the trip that they're all going to go down for. Would that key member be anything to do with our IT department by any chance? Look, I'm not going to comment on that, but we have a Mariners fan and we have two Wanderers fans in the office. And uh, according to what I'm hearing, they're not going to be going down in numbers on the Friday, but it's the next Melbourne Heart game that they're going to be coming down in numbers and really lighting up Amy Park. But in the meantime, Friday night's game, hard to see um, uh, Hart getting anything out of this game, but can they? Well, I mean, Hart, uh, Hart have to rely on their home form, basically, if they want to get... Anything. And Harry Kill. And Harry Kill, if they want to get anything out of uh, this season. So, you know, Hart have the core of a good team. They have the core of, you know, good, solid tactics and defensive ability. Um, I can see them trying to hold Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, I can see them, uh, you know, keeping a cap on the Wanderers' attack. But can I see them winning? That that's that's taking it to a whole new level, and I, mm. I just don't see that happening. Mm. But I can see them keeping a keeping Wanderers pegged back at least. Mm. How will they survive the the inevitable press in the first twenty twenty five minutes? Um, from the Wanderers, but Hart can actually do that quite. You know, the Hart have maybe not so many strengths as other play uh, other teams, but they have a compact defence and they 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 seem to be pretty well drilled in that that market that area, uh, where you know it, so long as they they maintain the discipline, they they can hold back many teams' attacks uh, and minimise the damage. Um, their their biggest issues getting shots in the back of the net more mm. than anything. Harry Kuehl joining, hopefully you would think, might make a difference. Um, but as a playmaker, you know, they're doing pretty well on that score, actually, at the moment, even without him. As a finisher, that's that's where perhaps they're going to be looking to Kuehl to, to mm. really make an impact. And Mifsud as well on his home debut, I think. Yeah, uh, Mifsud was an interesting proposition. You know, um, 
possibly not quite as good as I was expecting to be, but you know, it's early days though. I was going to say it's very early yeah. days. Uh, plenty of time for him to to step up and see what we're made of. Urich. Mm. I think he's just going to start getting better and better. Mm. I said at the Urich end. versus Gerhard and Vilar. That'll be a cracking battle. Yep. Um, and I'm really looking forward to Behitch as well, seeing how he gets uh, down the line. But um, for me, Taj Minikon was outstanding last week, and I really hope to see more from him this season and hopefully on Friday night as well. Tip for Friday night? Uh, let's be optimistic. 2-1 to Wanderers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going for 2-1 as well to the Wanderers. Uh, with all, all respect to Hart, who we love, who are a great club, but I'm not sure whether they can with, withstand the RBB this time or rather the red and black. Saturday, three games on Saturday. Big day. Starts in... in um, I think it's Christchurch, actually, Kevin. Um, yeah, it's where, another away day from them, isn't it? And it's always a good crowd in Christchurch, and they've got their. Thankfully, they've got their all whites back for this game. There was a, a bit of a, um, a tiff between the federation um, and the club ahead of this game due to the fact that the all whites are playing Mexico on uh, the following week, and they weren't going to release them. The sanity has prevailed. They're going to play against Perth, um, who won't have William Gallus in the side. Um, one of the longest trips in world football. Can Perth get anything out of this game with Wellington, with all their stars back? Well, you know, the good thing about Perth is it's a much younger side, much younger average, possibly than they've ever had, uh, in the A-League at least anyway. So you, you would think they're better equipped to deal with the, the long-distance travelling um, as a result. So whereas in the past I probably would have written them off almost immediately, I think, you know, they're still in a position where they could actually put up a decent challenge against Phoenix in this one. Mm. Um, I think it'll be pretty tight. I've been really impressed by the way Merrick's uh, tackled the uh, Phoenix squad though, uh, yeah. and the, the yeah. season. Uh, so he's, he's a wily, wily old sod and I really don't see him giving up any ground easily to Perth. Uh, I think Glory will really have their work cut out to, to break per- a Phoenix down. Mm. Uh, and Carlos Hernandez, just you know, super fit, mm. form of his life, uh, even at his veteran vintage mm. age. I just wonder whether or not the players are thinking about this World Cup qualifier, this huge World Cup qualifier at the Azteca that they're going to play in. Obviously, you don't want to be injured in a club game. Does that play, do you think, on the minds of the players going into a game? I agree with you. I think I think Wellington may just squeeze a victory out of this one, but it, I think that those players involved, um, th- there may be a little bit of a, a situation where they're thinking more about the big game. It's a massive game for the country. It is a massive game for the country, without any doubt whatsoever, but by the same token... You know, the, the, as we say, Erning Merrick is uh, is no newcomer to this game. He'll be aware of that and will be working on trying to keep his lads focused mm. on this game uh, with uh, doing everything he can to make sure that they, they take something from it mm. uh, and uh, worry about Mexico later. Mm. You know, if it, again, I think that's a, a key difference between having uh, Ernie in charge and not Ricky because Ricky's mind would have been on the Mexico game without mm. any doubt whatsoever. Uh, and would have been picking his team accordingly, uh, whereas Ernie will be look, focusing purely on this result mm. and not caring about the Kiwis. It's great that Christchurch has got a game as well. Um, yeah. And they, I think from memory they pulled some great crowds there last time they played. So, um, yeah, look, I'll tip uh, Wellington to get over Perth, maybe, maybe 1-0. Um, I even push it to 2-0 to be honest Okay, Adelaide United hosting Newcastle Jets in the second game on Saturday um, back at Hindmarsh 
Um, on the back of uh, a loss last week, um, still a lot of a real feel-good factor in Adelaide um, against a team that's only just started scoring now. Um, hard one to pick this one. It is. Uh, I mean, you would, up until last weekend, I would have put a serious wonga on uh, Adelaide running away with this one. Uh, but Jets were looking much, much better against the Mariners. Mm. But whether they can carry that form mm. into this game. And potentially Heskey back in the side as well, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's we've been saying that for quite a while, though, haven't we? Well, I think he just missed out on on last week, so he, he could potentially come off the bench. Yeah, it'd be good to see him back in the game. Um, but having said that, you know, Jets were looking extremely good, uh, despite again, you know, a, quite a lot of tinkering in the side and the lineup by uh, GVE, um, some of which, you know, was a bit baffling in many ways, but it worked out for him uh, and almost, you know. Scored him a, an unlikely win in the derby. Mm. I still think Adelaide United will see this game as the one to really kickstart their season. Uh, and uh, I think if they can't win here and they can't win against the Jets, the, they may start finding some pressure on them. Uh, you know, the Reds fans have been enthralled by the changes they've seen. Mm. They, they've loved what they've been hearing from Gumbo. But Jets just haven't been on fire apart from you know the derby performance uh if reds can't beat them you you wonder where they are going to get the victories mm, yeah and i'm looking forward to Taggart playing uh, on the weekend against um adelaide i thought he was outstanding he really worked hard um and they're, they're starting to come together newcastle but i think adelaide will will win this one i think it's ideal for them this sort of opponent that's not going to pressure them too high i think they'll be able to play it a lot easier and um, yeah, no, I'll tip an Adelaide victory for this one. Yeah, I think I'll go two 0 on this one. Two 0 yeah. Yep. And then Saturday ends with the big one, the big blue. Sydney FC hosting Melbourne Victory. Cannot wait. I think we'll be there. We said that last time, but we will be there. Well, uh, yeah, I might be. I've got other uh, other uh, obligations, work obligations Soft this weekend. Kev, I'll be there. I'm going to try and get there, but uh, yeah, I need to get other stuff done that involves suckaroos and programs and things, unfortunately. Yes, yes, we've got a lot of things on here at uh, 442, but can Sydney get anything out of this game based on last week's performance, and how do you stop Melbourne victory? You know, um, if Ange had still been in charge, if I was frank, I would have been just preparing my uh, dismissal letter, my uh, quit letter right now. Um, with Musket in charge, you got to think he's got a, he, he must have a sniff of a chance. He must reckon he's got a sniff of a chance. Muskie? No, against Muskie, mm. uh, Farina. Um, however, uh, Muskie, conversely, must be thinking very weak Sydney side. Downhearted morale at all time low. Mm. Well, again, they score early. They, they could be a it could be a real landslide. Couldn't I they? think it if could. They, yep. Yeah. Uh, Sydney are vulnerable as all can be. Uh, they've got a point to prove, but they've had several points to mm. prove this season already. I think I said that in the Sydney derby. I said they had a point to prove, and they didn't really stand up. And no. if they don't stand up on the weekend against uh, you know against victory. I think I think it's very hard to sort of back them again. I don't think that they will get rid of Farina too soon because it's a club that is absolutely sick of this coaching carousel. And I think they'll try as long as possible. I'm not saying that they're not going to sack him, Kevin. All I'm saying is it's a club that's looking. At its history and going, oh, I've got to sack another coach. I agree, but that... that and what's the that, solution that if they sack him, Kev? Yeah, I know, but the thing is, that doesn't, that isn't a reason for carrying I, on no, the way I, you I, are. I, I, I absolutely I agree with that. I know what you're saying. I'm not saying it's your, your opinion, but I can understand 
the board's thinking like that, but that's not actually going to help them. The point is they made a, a, a bad decision, um, and they've now either got to live with that yeah. and see themselves slide mm. yet again. Two seasons squandered without Del Piero. They spent a fortune on Del Piero, mm. and they're squandering it by not making the finals, by not making a, grabbing a title. Uh, they've got the crowds for this season, but the whole point of Del Piero was to bring crowds mm. in. Although, to be fair, those crowds have been win. bumped up by the Wanderers. I know. Well, whatever. Crowds are not the problem. Uh, fans staying away from Sydney at this stage is not the problem. What mm. the problem is, is they are not capitalising on Del Piero because they're not producing a winning side. Uh, and just because they've had a carousel of coaches go through the door previously mm. is not a reason not to change this time. What they need to do is find the right person for the job. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there, Kev. I'm just going to throw a name out there for Sydney FC. Goose hitting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean... Traktivenko, Russia. They, they all... that, that's what is actually missing. You know, and it's something I've said for seasons upon seasons upon seasons. You mark your salary cap. Your marquee does not apply to any uh, to to the, the coaching football department. Yes. yes. So make the most of it. Get it while you can. Mm. Um, What's your tip? A I think three uh, 0 to victory. Three nil. Three nil. That'll be a hell of a press conference if it is three nil. Yep. Uh, look, I'm going to tip Victory to win. I'm going to tip them 2-1 um, in the Big Blue, which, of course, uh, is a very good cause as well. I think it's uh, Beyond Blue is the sponsor of the night. Big fans of that. Well Big done. Um, final game of the round. I think it'll be the best game of the round. Central Coast hosting Brisbane Raw in Gosford. Um, you know, I just, I, just, I just think this will be great stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, this... Is one of those games that is potentially a season decider already at this time of the year uh, because I can't see beyond Mariners, Wanderers and Roar uh, really challenging for the top. I thought victory would at one stage, but uh, I think Angie's departure just throws that into a little bit of doubt. I, mm. I still think Muskie will be able to put them up there, top yeah. four. Uh, but I think those three really will be the ones challenging for the title at the end of it. Uh, and very hard to pick... The bones out of this one as far as a winner. How many cannons will go off? <laughs> I think it could be two cannons. Two cannons? Yeah. And if the opposition score any cannons, do they get any cannons? They don't get cannons okay, for the opposition. So so. I, th I think if there were cannons for the opposition, I think there might be a couple of cannons as well. I'm tipping a really entertaining 2-2 draw. Can't wait to see Franich as well yeah, um, playing that slightly more advanced role as well, if indeed he does. That's my but, tip too. You know, it's going to be fascinating because both sides use wing uh, fullbacks who get forward. Yep. So, um, you know, you've got Franich and I think uh, Hingard on one side and then you've got Josh Rose and Storm Rue. So One of our new favourite players. Absolutely, great name. And um, Kiwi Collop. Um, but I think this, that's going to be key to this four-goal thriller that we're predicting because there will be space at the back and both teams are mm. capable of exploiting that. When you've got marauding fullbacks like that, you do expose yourself uh, and two together clashing. Mm. Could be, yeah, this could be a thrilling, exciting, goal-filled Match. I have no doubt that Justin Passville will keep his eye on the ball at the next pass back because yeah. um, he's a good, he is a good keeper, but he, he is made a himself keeper, look a bit silly. But interestingly enough, when I went up to the first game of the season, I did say to my partner at the time, Passfield's going to cost Mariners a goal, not because of his back pass uh, stopping, but he's got such a tendency to parry or punch mm. instead of catching. 
Uh, and he was just giving the opposition the second ball so many times uh, that that was going to end in tears at some stage. I still didn't expect it to be that way, though. And I loved how the Jets claimed that goal. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Kev, for your insights today. That's uh, the end of 442 FM for another week. Don't forget, next week, 442 Magazine Australia with Ange Postacoglu on the cover, talking to us exclusively, is out. Get it next week. Um, Thanks for your time, Kev, and uh, we'll see you all later. Happy football. Mm Mm-hmm.